Well, Blood Flood, this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Kuber Shirazi. Kuber, are you ready to do this? I am indeed. Let's go. Let's go. Kuber is an enterprise agile coach. He's got over 20 years of experience facilitating the transformation of teams, businesses, and communities. In other words, he facilitates people who have a vision for moving past the status quo. He is working hard to help people find peace through prosperity. Kaber, excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, why you're doing what you're doing. Thank you very much for having me, George. It's a, it's a real privilege to be here to share this story with you. So uh, personal life, I am, we've got three kids, 16, 10, and 8, and girl, girl, boy. Uh, we've got two cats. And uh, yeah, the, between the five of them, me and the missus are quite busy, but we do find time to do other stuff as well which I'm going to talk to you about today. Uh, In terms of my work, I'm an agile transformation coach. So what I essentially do is train, coach, mentor, and facilitate individuals uh, growing themselves and then, you know, self-reflect on how they want to work in a team, how they want to be in the enterprise, you know, and find purpose with other like-minded, motivated individuals to build high-performing teams. And, and with that, affect the enterprise and how the enterprise culture treats people and creates value and uh, eventually, you know, contributes back to society or not. Uh, what I'd like to talk to you about is something that kind of span out of our commercial life or our professional life, something called peace through prosperity. So uh, many, many moons ago, uh, we had that conversation. When I say we, this is me and my missus, Sahar. We had that conversation where we said, okay, so really good at you know, helping individuals inspect and adapt, and with that, teams inspect and adapt, and with that, enterprises become more innovative, become more people-centric. Why can't we take those values and principles and practices and experiment and see if we can apply them in a super complex environment, which is society? So we designed a few experiments back in 2010, 2011, and we haven't stopped since. We've, uh, we've, we've, our model is really open source. It's, it's bringing design thinking and systems thinking and spiral dyma- dynamics and, and, and creating programs that are free to use. They're low cost and they're, they're easily transferable. And with that, we've grown teams and helped and continue to help communities in Karachi and Pakistan, in nine cities in Yemen, and as of two years ago, in Cairo, in Egypt. And to date, we've impacted about just over 2,500 micro-entrepreneurs. And with that, impacted indirectly impacted about more than 16,000 people, created nearly 300 jobs. And uh, yeah, that's the stuff that keeps us going. Well, I think that that's incredible. What, what was much. it that, that, that 10, 12 years ago made you go down that path? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it was a realization that, you know, we as individuals, and I say, when I say we as individuals, I mean privileged individuals, right? Those, those individuals who've had access to good education, who've had access to a supporting community around them, who've had access to, you know, state and non-state institutions that have been there, you know, to help us in our journey to become who we are. And, and with that, there's, there's, there's a sense of responsibility, right? 
that that's a, I'd argue even lend one percent of the eight billion that walk our pale blue dot, and and with that comes a great sense of and, and not just a sense a great responsibility to figure out how do we how do we bring the ninety nine percent with us, right? Because uh, that's our community. So I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge lifelong fan of Carl Sagan. Right, and uh, as he, as as Carl Sagan says, right, we're, we're we're just a tiny pale blue dot, a little blue marble, you know, in this infinite universe, and that's our community, all eight billion and growing off us, you know, because if you look at it from an outsider's lens, we're all just the same because we share this planet, and and if some of us have had the good fortune of having a nice journey, a good journey purposeful journey, a fulfilling one, then it becomes super important for us to give back. And I don't mean just give back by putting some money in a charity. I mean, give back with our own time, our own ideas, and and start our own movements for the betterment of all with that drive towards continuous improvement, not just of ourselves. Because like it or not, you know, we live in a very interconnected and interdependent world, especially with tech. It gets keeps getting smaller and smaller and crammier and crammier. So that's I waffle. I think that that I think that that makes a, makes a lot of sense to me, and it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. And so, it's it seems obvious that that you chose to approach the problem through the lens of what you're already professionally successful at and really good at versus trying mm-hmm. to do something totally different. So what are, for lack of a better term, maybe those table stakes? Cause, cause we all have needs. I need to be able to feed myself and take care of my family. And then once I meet these needs, I keep kind of progressing up. So you talked about frameworks and processes. What are what are some of those foundational ones? So so first and foremost is the this the school of thought of design thinking, right? And uh and I'm gonna quote Simon Sinek here and starting with the why. Right. So once you figured out the why you want to do something, then you find purpose. And then comes the what. Like how might we so for us, the question was like, why is this important? It's important because it's existential. It's important because it's not just about, you know, uh, the environmental side of it. It's about the people side, because if we want to impact the environment in a positive way, we need a different mindset for all 8 billion of us, right? And the hope that when some of those reach corporate ladders and sit on the top, they're going to do the right thing. And not, for instance, run to fossil fuel just because things got hard, right? So it's, it's, it's starting with the why, finding that purpose, and then figuring out, okay, how might we bring this to life? And for, for us, it was uh, through research and, and, and through a lot of hundreds of conversations, you know, we came to a realization that the root of all evil is actually marginalization. The root of extremist or right-wing behavior is marginalization, right? And, and it doesn't matter whether that right-wing extremist is, you know, RSS in India or ISIS in the Middle East or Proud Boys in the U- US. They all have some pain and someone has 
reached out and grabbed and provided them with a hand that they've grabbed. And the reason why they've grabbed that hand is because they lack the ability to write their own narrative of change. Right? We, all, we all want to write our own story, right? And, and we all want to write a good progressive story that would be remembered, especially by our progeny and our own community. Now, when we don't have that ability for various reasons, we feel cornered, we feel marginalized, we feel neglected. And then whatever hand reaches out to us to, with the promise of a progressive, positive change that is going to enable us to do so, or enable us to be part of someone else's narrative, we kind of latch onto it. Right? So for, for us, it became very important to enable individuals to create and write. Firstly, have that self-belief that, yeah, I, I got this. Right? I, don't, I don't need a movement. I am the movement for my own betterment and my own future, for that for myself, for my family, my community. And, and with that, enabling them to figure out how might they do it. Right? So first is like, why do you want to do it? So obviously, I want, I want a better future for my kids. I don't want my kids to be sitting on a street corner shining shoes. I want them to be a doctor and engineer. I want them to have a good life. I don't want them to go through the same hardships that I did. You know what? That is something that each and every one of us can relate to, right? Because regardless of how much privilege we have, we want better for the next generation, right? Regardless of how much comfort we have, we obviously want better because the, the drive for continuous improvement is within us. And, you know, that's, that's, that's always going to be there regardless of how much or how comfortable we are, right? So it's about enabling them to figure out how might they tap into that drive in a positive, constructive way and, and, and be authors of their own destiny, so to say. Right? And we do that by bringing you know, agile principles into it, by bringing agile values into it, teaching them about people-centricity, teaching them about respect, teaching them about looking at the world and those around them through the same lens. Right? So if, if, if there's a fruit vendor, be it in Cairo or one of the cities in Yemen or Pakistan or anywhere in the world, when that fruit vendor meets George, he behaves in exactly the same way when he meets one of his you know, impoverished community members. And he treats both of them with respect and is equally concerned to connect with them as human beings. Right? Because is that connection that is going to help that individual move up, up, you know, move, move, create social mobility, right? Because through that, we build relationships. Through that, we build, retain the customers, right? Through that, we remove, uh, to a degree, the friction of negotiation. And, and all of these things, right? They're, they're all common sense, but they're not common practice. And, when, and, and especially when individuals are in, you know, living between a rock and a hard place, they don't have the luxury to think about these things. So we kind of have this intervention. It's a free program. We go in and we teach them these things. We also teach them about how to run a business because a lot of these people, they're, they're entrepreneurs of circumstances, right? Like we, we've, we've got the privilege of being entrepreneurs of choice, right, George? 
the majority of you know our, our our fellow human beings on this planet they don't either you hustle or you go hungry so if you are going to hustle and we want to teach you how to hustle properly right and with a vision so you're not just hustling you're, you're creating value you're creating wealth to reinvest in yourself in your business in your family in your community and with that not just grow your own social mobility but that of your entire community right and and we've we've had examples of entrepreneurs where a handful of entrepreneurs micro entrepreneurs have 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 created enough wealth that has lifted their entire community you know maybe a couple of degrees up within the span of you know a few years and and that is that is what keeps a big smile on our face that's what makes us sleep easy. Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing our part. And what we did was we open sourced all of this because we want you to come and steal our stuff, right? And we teach you how to use it because what we're doing, it works. We've got more than 10 years of data and that's why we keep investing in it, right? So we self-fund this because as we were talking before we started, if you take institutional aid, it comes with strings attached. And, and, and a big thing about our world as agile practitioners is we want empowerment, right? And particularly as product owners or people with a vision, we don't want people to dictate where and how we're going to take our vision. That's, that's our prerogative because we're vested in it more than anyone else can be. And that's why we self-fund this. And because it works, we keep funding it more. And because it works, we keep expanding it. But we have finite resources as everyone else right where where my wife's a lawyer i'm an agile coach we work and that's how we fund this right and what we want to do is grow this exponentially and the way to do it is to reach out and say hey george here, here are a bunch of programs here are a bunch of structured programs that you can take and within a couple of weeks you can be on top of the ball and you could be running them why don't you go and run them in your own community right and it's not about the global south and the global north, because there's a lot of poverty in the global north. Right? We just have to walk down the streets in New York, London, Seattle, Dallas, whichever big city, and just see the homelessness. Right? And that's heartbreaking, because we've got enough in our part of the world to not just house and upscale and recalibrate the homeless in, in, in our cities, on our continent, but we've got enough to do it all over the world, right? And that's what only happen when we have this grassroots movement where individuals like, like myself, like you, go, you know what? I'm not going to wait for the state to do this. I'm not going to wait for the federal authorities to do this because you know what? They've had hundreds of years and they haven't done it. And that's, that's my bone of contention with, excuse me, some very bright and, and some very dear friends of mine who work in this sector, which is international development. And my challenge to them is that, look, if you, were, if you guys were so good at your job, you would have developed and moved on, right? You wouldn't need me to step in. You wouldn't need Sahar to step in. You wouldn't need Hani and Abdul Rashid and, and Anu and David and Imran and Ahmed and Hamza in Egypt or Yusra in, in Yemen to step in and do what essentially you're paid to do. You know, our tax dollars, our euros, our pounds go towards that. And, and through this, I, I'm not criticizing. I am criticizing them. What I'm saying is that, look, you guys need to rethink how you work. 
right? And 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 just have that self-awareness to go like, you know what, maybe there is some truth in what this madman is saying, that if we were really good at international development, we would have done ourselves out of a job, right? Because that is, when I step into an organization as an enterprise transformation change coach, I'm immediately talking about my exit plan, right? And And some businesses, some sponsors find it uh, a little strange, a little bizarre, a little weird. When I go like, okay, so so what do I need to achieve with you? What do I need to aid, facilitate, support, teach, train, and mentor you do that would enable me to leave? They're like, dude, we haven't actually started working. I'm like, yeah, but what's the outcome? If we have the outcome in sight, we can make the outcome transparent. Then we can inspect our and adapt our way to it. And once I'm there, I know my job is done. Right. And I will enable your own people to carry this forward because there's, there's another bunch of people who could potentially, you know, benefit from what I'm doing here. So with that attitude of working ourselves out of a job keeps us focused, right, on, on, on getting the job done in the most effective way so that we can move on to the next adventure. And again, I go on and on. George, you'll have to stop me. <laughs> I, I think it's all. I think it's all wonderful. Um, I, Thank you. I, I, I truly do. And that you've been doing it for over ten years suggests that it's working. That it that you indeed. are seeing results. That people both desire to do this kind of work and have the ability to do this kind of work. Indeed. And we've got some amazing stories. So if you have a look at our website on, which is bringptp.com, um, you know, you, you, you'd see lots of videos of before and after. We've got a very active channel on Vimeo. We've actually just started moving stuff to YouTube, but we've got a very active and old channel on Vimeo where you can see some of our participants from like five, six, seven, eight years ago. And then you can see some of them with their stories and narratives now. We have one story I'm going to really quickly narrate it. There's a, there's, there's a gentleman, he's a, he's a barber, right? His name is Anwar, and when we first met him back in 2014, he had a, he had a towel and rusty scissors and you know, comb with teeth missing and, and a beaten up chair and a heartbroken mirror that used to hang on the side of a wall. And he used to do, do his, conduct his business on the pavement. And we started working with Anwar, and over a period of time, like nine months later, Anwar had a tiny shop with four, you know, uh, fourth, fifth hand barber's chairs. He had four apprentices, and if you needed, if you wanted Anwar to cut your hair, now you had to book in an appointment with the guy, right? It's a complete transformation, not, not just his business, but his life. We have another story about a gentleman who, who sells samosas, those, those little, you know, potato things. Uh, and, and, and they are delicious, by the way. They're so delicious. The first time I met him, I ate so many of them. He didn't want to sell anymore to me, saying that, look, you, you're going to get an upset stomach. And I was like, dude, I can't stop eating them. And he was like, if you get an upset stomach, it's not my samosas. It's your, it's your greed and glutton. And guess what? He was right. After about 13 samosas, I was like, okay, I, I, I need to go. <laughs> right? This gentleman, he had a tiny stall. He was struggling in his business. And, and within a year of working with us, he was supplying to two local schools. He had a bunch of tables laid out. In the evenings, he started serving tea as well. 
and and now we we I, I met this gentleman a year ago. Uh, he's managed to educate, and this is by the way, like this is like a six-year journey for him. He managed to get his son out of the country working in another country because he got enough money to get him some vocational training. Right, that that is a generation changed. Right. And, and that's the kind of stuff, that's, that's the impact that we have. Like in Yemen, the, the, the micro-entrepreneur communities that we work with, they've become a support structure for one another in a war zone, right? It gives them the ability to leave their houses, come together with purpose in a small community and share everything from what's going on with their business and how might they improve. Because remember, war zone or not, you got to live, you got to eat, you got to earn. Right. Some take refuge elsewhere. Most have don't even have that choice. So they've got to stay put. So how do we then work with those individuals, not just to help them grow their business and make some kind of living so that they can survive, but how do we keep keep them, you know, how do they keep them mentally healthy? So we're like, okay, in, in Yemen, our primary objective isn't revenue and profitability growth, it's getting these people together so that they can have an alternative community, a support structure. They can come to come and talk to us about it, whatever it is that they want to talk about. Right? Just get them out of their, their, their daily grind and give them once a month, give them a place where they can just come and be mindful about that one thing that we want to talk about. And in, in Cairo, we entered the Cairo market because one of our trainers from Yemen, Ahmed, bless him, he moved to Cairo uh, once he could leave after COVID. And when he got there, he saw the, saw the social strife in Cairo because most of the refugees from the Middle East and Africa, you know, whether some people were accepted or not, they don't come to Europe, man. They go to Cairo, they go to South Africa, they go to Egypt, they go to Nigeria. These are the big economic centers of that great continent. And when they go there, those countries are already in some sort of strife. And then they just add to that. So, so Ahmed picked up a lot of social tension between the locals and the refugees from Ethiopia, from Sudan, South Sudan, Eritrea, Somaliland, Somalia, Yemen, and, and, and he reached out and he said, what can we do here? I was like, well, we can treat them all as equals. Let's get them in a room and let's get the journey started, not just for the locals, but also the refugees. And by that, we started bringing local entrepreneurs, micro-entrepreneurs and refugee micro-entrepreneurs together and, and help them come up with that realization that, you know what? I might have escaped a war in Sudan, but I've come here. And, and I'm in the same position that George is, a local in Cairo. We're no different. And, and for the locals to have that empathy and go like, you know what, George is just a micro-entrepreneur like me, right? And, and together we can crowdsource our way out of our challenges rather than, you know, have start building up this hate that George has come to my country to take my job. So I do it. I didn't even have a job to start with. I'm hustling on the streets of Cairo and that guy's hustling as well. Maybe we can hustle better together. Who knows? Right. But just get that empathy and those conversations started. That became our focus in Cairo to remove that friction between the local community and the refugee community. And in that they're making money, right? 
in that they're creating wealth for themselves and for the economy around them. And, and obviously, they're loving it. And obviously, we're grateful to the universe to be able to play a small part in enabling them to do so. It's incredible. It's incredible. Kubar, you and I could talk for hours and, uh, I'm, I'm, I, 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 (laughs) and, and, and I hope to, I, I look forward to, uh, having you back on because I'm sure that everybody else wants to learn the details of the program. Um, so where I, I, I know that you mentioned the website once, but, uh, give us all the places that, uh, people can learn more and start to engage. Absolutely. And thank you very much for that opportunity. So this is a call to action to each and every person who listens and listens to George's podcast and wherever the message reaches, right? We need to start. We need, you, need, you need to inspect and adapt and see what can you do at your own grassroots level. And I know each and every one listening to this wants to, right? Because that's why you're listening to George's podcast. Now, we've got a means to get you started. Now, we're not saying take only our programs. We're saying that, hey, there are a couple of experiments that work. We show you how to work them, take them, and run with them. And then on the basis of that, you can design whatever experiment you want in your own community. You can find us on online. So we're bring TTP. So that's bring as in B-R-I-N-G, peace through prosperity. So ptp.com. Uh, we're on LinkedIn as peace through prosperity. And those are probably the two best places to come because on our website, you'll find details about the program. And from there, you'll have uh, links to our Vimeo channel, our YouTube channel, our social media stuff. So you can go in and have a look at the kind of trades we work with and the kind of results that we get. Uh, you can reach out on LinkedIn. Our team's pretty much on LinkedIn, well, most of them. Uh, our co-founder, Sahar Zaidi Shirazi, she's usually the first point of contact. Um, because she runs our mentorship and our coaching program. So we've also launched a recent program where we're taking professionals, be they data scientists or agile coaches or scrum masters, getting started in their journey or experienced ones and getting them involved with certain specific teams. You know, so we've got a, uh, a, a recently certified scrum master working with a Karachi team, helping them with, improve their ways of working. And in that, you know, practicing their craft. We've recently engaged with a data scientist who's going to help us look at the mess that is our data over the last 10 plus years, right? Um, and then I say that because uh, what that will enable us to do is even dig deeper into the data and bring even better narratives to the world and say that, hey, this stuff really works. And just get engaged, right? Reach out to us, talk to us, and just get engaged. I know you're all very empathetic human beings, right? But use that channel, that empathy to create some action because the we can't rely on institutional action. I hope you realize that by now. And I hope you, with that, you pick this up and you run with it and bring change in your own communities. And with that, you know, the whole world, you know, I, want, I want to see a very happy pale blue dot before, before I walk the next journey. I love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Kubera your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to bringptp.com and check out everything we've been talking about today and start turning our empathy into action and come to the recognition that if 
big organizations or whatever they are were capable of getting us out of these problems, then they would have been helping us get out of these problems. And it's incumbent upon you, listener, and and me and Kubert and everybody else that recognizes their ability, which we all have, to uh, to start doing better. Thanks again, Kubert. Thank you very much, George. Pleasure. And then I hope to speak to you soon. And until next time, remember... Do your part by doing your best.